The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who take their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterward, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. He said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. You know, we do an amazing thing at this parish. As you as you may know, we every one Saturday a month, we do a 24-hour period of adoration, beginning at I think at 10 in the morning on Saturday to 10 in the 10 in the morning the next Sunday. So there's, that means there's always somebody. We have our Lord present on the altar and the monstrance, and everybody's designated to pray a certain period of time all throughout the night. And and last night it was fun, right? Because you know, as you guys were sleeping soundly in your beds, it was snowing like crazy. And so at that time when I signed up for it, because of course I want to lead by example, so I said to Amy, give me a 1230 spot. I'll drive all the way from Portola, no problem. I'm a man, right? 1230. So I get up, I went to bed at 8, took a long nap, got up at 11, got ready, and made the way. When I woke up in Portola, light snow dusting, light dusting. I said, ah, no problem. Take the camera. No problem, take the camera. By the time I got to the valley, it was whiteout conditions. Whiteout. By the way, I want to lodge a complaint, Zach. <laughs> we need more reflectors on the roads. When do you guys add them in? Do you add them in a certain time period? It was horrible. There was no reflectors. So the only, and there was no tracks on the road. My, my, my little Camry was driving through. I was trying to drive. 
Uh, you couldn't see anything. You know, you, you've, all, you've all lived there for a long time. You know how white out conditions could, be, could become, especially in the valley. You can't see anything. It's the only thing keeping me on the road. was like, okay, it's flat. I can see about five feet in front of me. Just keep going straight. I missed a couple turns. I'm sliding. I was like, nope, I'm doing it. I'm going to go. And I finally get here around 12.40 for my 12.30 shift of prayer in here. And amazingly, Roman's out here plowing the snow in his pajamas. Right? <laughs> Roman, what are you doing here? You should be sleeping. Well, we got in here, and it was by the time I got here, about six inches of snow out in the parking lot. I said, oh, no, I got the wrong car for this. And so as I was praying, you know how human we are. So I'm calculating, okay, if it's going to keep on snowing like this, there's no way I can get home. Whose house can I sleep at tonight here? So I thought, who lives close by? I said, I can't knock on someone's door at 1.30 in the morning. This is Second Amendment country here, right? <laughs> and I'm pounding on someone's door. Let me in. I'm going to sleep here. So I okay, can't do that. So, uh, so I said to the Lord, Lord, if it's going to keep snowing, I can't get home in my little Camry. So I was going to sleep in the sacristy until the morning time. So I'll sleep there, get some altar, altar cloths and a little blanket, and I'll sleep here. And I was wondering, okay, the second person to relieve me was coming from Calpine. I was like, there's no way they're going to come through here all the way in the snow in the middle of the night in Calpine. But at 1.40, like a knight in shining armor, (laughs) who comes through those doors covered in snow, sweating? Christopher Renteria. (laughs) Chris, I was so happy to see you. Chris, praise the Lord, you're here. Oh, man, I was so happy to see you. Now I can go home. And luckily, when we got outside, it was, you could actually see the stars again. It was completely calm and quiet. It was a beautiful night. When I got up that morning, Amy, I was, I was tempted to call you. I was going to say, you know what, Amy, it's snowing outside. My fire is nice and hot and blazing. I'm in my sweatpants. I don't want to do this. But I said, no. I want to do something hard for God. Why did many of us brave the the snowstorm, come through in the middle of the night in the dark, whiteout conditions, cold, freezing, and we should be in bed? I think we all know. There's something in our heart that happens when we do something hard for love. Think about it. We're all in, every single one of us in here are are in some kind of loving relationship. And so it is with God. And we know what happens in any human relationship. Our hearts can grow cold, stale. Everybody in here who's been married for a long time, you, you know this well. You know that there are seasons in love. Sometimes you're passionate, especially when you're first married. You're passionate in love, and then life hits you, and then all of a sudden you become stale, you grow hard, and your arguing comes in, life gets hard. What happens to your love? It grows cold. So it is with our relationship with God. So I want us to look at our relationship with God like that. Because just like with any human relationship, our relationship with God can grow stale and cold if we do not work at it. And that's exactly what our Lord is trying to get at here with this amazing parable today. Notice this. We have a 
two sets of people. So the question I want to throw before you, which group do you fall into? Are you a wise virgin or are you a foolish one? Because notice the difference between the two is the amount of oil one has. Because notice the thing about oil. So when you're speaking about a little lamp, they have little, you can still find them today, little clay oil lamps. So it's like a little genie bottle. You can imagine that, a little genie uh, container. We call it lamp. So imagine that, but a clay one. And you put oil in it and you light the tip of it. And so that's what you would use for lights. And then just like anything else with oil, you got to keep refilling it. If you don't, if you neglect it, eventually it will go out. So that's what our Lord is, is, is hammering home here in this beautiful parable. So the wise virgins have enough oil. The foolish ones, the dumb ones, do not. And what our Lord here, when he's preaching this parable, he's presuming that we know a lot about Jewish wedding customs. So if you're a first century Jew and you hear this parable, you make sense because you know the custom of what it means to get married. So the background is, unlike today, you know today when someone gets married, it's usually just a day, boom. You have the ceremony, you have the big party in the evening, you dance, you eat well, you go to bed. One day. If you're in a first century Jew, it's a lot more elaborate. It's stretched out over seven days. So seven days of partying. Which is why, remember, what is the first miracle of our Lord? Why they were so happy when he changed the water into wine? Because that meant the party continues. Right? And so the wedding, so it began with when a husband and a man and a woman would become betrothed. We don't have that concept in our culture. But remember when Mary and Joseph were betrothed, we had that language, that's when the wedding begins. So they're, they're not, the wedding hasn't been finished yet. It, it has begun, but they're married at that point. Or it's be, the process has, has, has begun to proceed. So, when, so the husband and wife becomes betrothed. And then for the next seven days, the party in the evening happens. It's, it's, it's a long process. And then during that time period as well, the man is building the home for his new family. With his bare hands, he's building this home. And what's amazing about this, we still have echoes of this in our own culture. Because what is traditionally that, what do men do when they get home after the reception, when they go home for the first time? And I don't know if, they, if couples still do this, but you sometimes you see it in the movies, but at the threshold of the door of their new home, the husband will pick up his bride as he crosses that first threshold, that first step into the home. That's what they used to do back in ancient Judaism. So now the husband has built this, this beautiful home with his bare hands. And, and then at the end of the seventh day, enter the parable. The whole town, the family and the friends, the bride, the groomsmen, the bridesmaids, all began this procession to this home that the, that the man has built for his wife. And so now there's a huge procession is going, they're going, and then finally they get to the threshold of the, of the home. The husband now picks up his bride to enter into the home, and then they go into the bedroom, the hoppa in Hebrew. And then now, when the husband and wife are finally alone in their bedroom for the first time, they become one flesh. They consummate the marriage. See, again, do you see how sacred the marital act is? And we need to reclaim this in our culture because what has the marital act become? It's lost the, the, the theological and the sacredness to it, hasn't it? Absolutely, it's become almost 
recreational. Ah, not in God's eyes. And so was at this moment when man and woman now consummate that marriage, become one flesh. The marriage is complete. What began with the betrothal, seven days of partying, the man building the home, carrying his wife to the home, threshold of the home, they enter into the bedroom, uniting one flesh, it is done. So that's the backdrop of this parable. They're waiting now on the seventh day, the ten virgins. That simply means, just like it's today, when you have a wedding, you have, what does a bride have? Bridesmaids, right? The word maiden is simply the old English word for virgin, so it's the same language. So just like in those times, as in our day, a bride will have those who are closest to her, bridesmaids. And so they're all waiting and waiting and waiting. I can imagine on the first day of that wedding process, they all had oil. And then towards the end, as they're waiting for the bridegroom to begin that final procession, as the husband takes his bride to their new home, the oil ran out. What is that oil? And here's this key point. Love. Love for God. Love for Him. Do you see now all of a sudden when, with, that, with that concept now, the oil being love of God, do you see why the wise virgins could not share with the foolish ones? Because I can't give you love for Jesus Christ. I can't give you that. I can preach to you. I, I, I can lay out the Ten Commandments. I, I, can, I can do everything I can. And I can harp on you, pray the rosary every day, pray, 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 pray. But I can't manufacture love for Jesus in your heart. Love, just like as you any human relationship, must be cultivated. It must grow. It must be deepened. And that is why our Lord here is hammering out. He says, Heaven... It's like a wedding feast. It's like a wedding celebration. And that is why every single one of us, when we stand before judgment, before God, all of us will, by the way, you know what God will judge us on? Love of Him. Did we follow His commandments? Remember John saying, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. The Ten Commandments, listed. No God, you shall know God above you. You shall not uh, you know, keep the day, Sabbath day holy. Not use the Lord's name in vain. All of the Ten Commandments. Do, you, do we follow the Ten Commandments? Love of Him. Do we pray all day long? Because I, there it is, prayer. Nourishes the soul. When we stand before Him, He will say to us. And that's where that starking line at the end, when He says to the fullest versions. Lord, let me into heaven. Open the door. And He says, I do not know you. Why does he say that? Because he's speaking to a soul that has neglected him their entire life. That does not pray, does not live out the gospel, does not live out the virtues, does not go to mass. That's that type of that's the foolish one. And then when we stand before God, he says, Do I know you? You see, all of the readings now, 
I know this is kind of a stark reading, but all of the readings, get ready, because as we lead up into Christmas, we're going to start Advent pretty soon. Notice all of the readings. They all have a darker theme to it, because it's all about death. It's all about the end. It's all about the end of the world. And all of the readings will force us to ask ourselves, am I a foolish virgin or am I a wise one? And here is the amazing thing, and here's the great hope why I love the fact that as, as the Catholic Church, our, the readings will become focused on the end. is because if we are still alive, we still have time to get the oil. And that will only come when we do hard things for God. Driving through the snow in the middle of the night, shoveling in the middle of the night, picking up that rosary, making our commitment to come to Mass when our, our day schedule is like, no, I will go to Mass no matter what. You see the beauty of God's third commandment to keep the Sabbath holy because it forces us and it battles against that tendency which we all have to give up on that relationship. I guarantee you, every husband and wife here has entertained the idea, ah, this is too hard. You've all felt that. As a priest, said, ah, this is too hard. I want to give up my relationship with the Lord. Why don't I just go off and do something else? We've all entertained those thoughts. Why? Because we all have a fallen nature in us. A tendency for the oil to run dry. And the Lord says, no. Fight for love. That's the difference between a foolish virgin and a wise one. Because the wise ones fight for Jesus Christ. And you and I are called to do the same. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.